One year, I kind of got an idea, you know, I want to try trap. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon's ads. Information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very much the same as the you got bogged down. They started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the fur shed, this is the Trapping Today podcast. I am Jeremiah Wood. Great to have you here. Great to be here. I'm back in the clean fur shed. Got things all tidied up. I just finished up. Uh, my winter under ice beaver pelts, uh, get those all taken care of, skin flesh stretched on the boards and off the boards, and uh, just kind of cleaning things up here for the spring, uh, but we've got a long ways to go here in northern Maine as far as uh, trapping season, we still got a few weeks of beaver trapping, we just picked up some stuff from our sponsors, Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com, trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Got a dozen TS85s uh, to use in the Spring Beaver line. Uh, Nathan, who you heard in last week's episode, actually just made a big order from Cotsboros for Spring Beaver Season Two. It's a great time to get out there and enjoy the outdoors and uh, and catch some fur during the time of year that you know the weather is actually uh, pretty tolerable. Um, weather here's been quite uh, different lately. We get about 18 inches of snow yesterday and uh it's it's actually snowing as i record this right now but um it's spring you know spring's coming and and uh there's nothing going to stop that the days are getting longer um if you listen you can probably hear in the background the snow hitting the roof of the fur shed right now Um, but anyway we get a great episode tonight a few things to talk about but we are going to uh listen to an interview i did with nancy becker who is uh was wife of the late Bob Hart, famous from the uh, TV show The Last Alaskans. Um, for for those of you who are not familiar with the show, um, you should be. So you should get on that, uh, especially with this coronavirus stuff going on. You get a lot of time at home, a lot of time to kill maybe. Uh, you ought to be checking that out um, and, and get on uh, Discovery Channel and and get that show downloaded. The Last Alaskans is one of those shows where it's I really don't watch much TV, but it's it's what I watch. You know, it's my favorite TV show. Um, it went on for four seasons. It's no longer on anymore, but you can watch all four seasons. And it just follows people, uh, a group of you know different families that that live and trap in the wintertime in uh, in and around Arctic National Wildlife Refuge in interior Alaska and it's it's you know reality without the drama um, uh, that you see in most of the reality shows these days this is just a really great show so we're going to get into that but first we'll get a few other things to do um, a shout out to on x maps they also sponsor the podcast and uh, this is how you turn your phone into a fully functioning GPS that you can use very effectively on the trap line. Go to onxmaps.com for uh, $30 a year. You can get a subscription to this. And this app allows you to basically uh, track all your locations. You have full access to aerial maps, uh, aerial imagery anywhere in the United States. You can mark your trap locations. Uh, in most places, you can figure out whose land you're on. Um, even you know, when I was out in Alaska, I was able to see what land was uh, tribal, you know, um, part of uh, native allotment, uh, and what was uh, national wildlife refuge land, the federal land, state lands. 
Um, if you're in uh, most states in the lower 48, you can actually see the landowner's name where you're trapping. So you can determine where you're at and you can see who you need to contact on the land next door in order to get permission to trap. So check them out at onyxmaps.com. And if you enter the promo code TRAP uh, on your first purchase, you're going to get 20% off. Um, we're also brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction. Uh, where the world comes to buy wild fur and we're going to talk about fur harvesters auction results uh, this is a, kind of a big deal because it was the very first ebay style online only fur auction um, that's ever been done and this was done uh, obviously because of the coronavirus where uh, the borders in canada were shut down people from foreign countries weren't able to come in and buy fur um, they had a lot of fur that trappers sent in uh, that needed to get sold um, and they they put a, a pretty strong effort forward to to try and get that sold so um, I can if you have uh, a an account at fur harvesters you can log into the website um, using your account number and your password and you can see what what fur you had there sold and uh, what prices it sold for um, just to save you uh, a little bit of time if you had Anything like uh, Martin or Fisher uh, or uh, several other species, you didn't sell anything because uh, a mink, sable, otter, fisher, lynx, and bobcat pretty much did not sell. Um, but there were other items that sold and sold pretty well. So we'll get into that. I want to read you um, the uh, summary from Fur Harvesters. From uh, March 24th through April 2nd is when the auction ran. And uh, this is just a little update. Fur Harvesters online auction concluded April 2nd. Uh, the COVID-19 virus had made it impossible to stand our ground and follow through with our scheduled March auction set to be held in Toronto. All the major countries we depend on to purchase our product were and continue to be locked down. This left us only two options, one of which was to cancel, meaning our shippers would not get paid, and this was not an option for us. Uh, remember, this is an auction house that's run by trappers, um, so everybody wants to get paid um, for, for all the hard work and all the fur they sent in. Our team developed and employed an online auction system in less than a week, which in itself was to be commended. The system was only available for registered buyers, and all species were valued based on last May's FHA levels with thresholds protecting all lots. These thresholds at times varied within a species, allowing a greater or lesser percentage depending on the section or grade. Going into this, it was apparent that the odds were very much stacked against us in hopes of having this auction conclude with a strong overall clearance. Many wild fur articles are so varied that to expect buyers to take strong positions and bid on large quantities of goods sight unseen was not realistic. In the case of lynx, lynx cat, and top western coyotes, Italy is very dominant and we knew it would be hard to sell any quantity of these at this time with Italy being so drastically impacted by the COVID by COVID-19. Korea is in the same situation we're heavily dependent on this country for our sable. We continue to sell quite steadily now with private treaty while maintaining the same threshold set out in the online auction catalog. The shining star during this online auction was from the North American buying community which really came through in articles such as beaver, quality raccoon, and eastern coyotes. China also took a very active role in muskrats, commercial raccoon, and coyotes. We've protected the best goods and these will be held to our values until private treaty is closed and will be consigned to our next auction. All of us here at FHA are proud to deliver the following results which surpassed our ex expectations. We did our best to stand and deliver during these difficult and troubling times and look forward to scheduling a traditional auction in September, permitting the current situation passes. We'll update the results, uh, sales results as private treaty sales transpire. Until such time, I wish safe harbor to all our shippers and buyers and their families, and God bless. Respectfully, Mark Downey, CEO for Harvesters. So just a couple of quick highlights. Um, beaver, the third section beavers, pretty much all of those sold. Those are like your standard uh, beavers that are either damaged or they're early caught skins or uh, from from states in uh, lower 48, mostly southern states. Uh, beaver pelts that are not like fully thick and prime or dark, um, they all kind of fall in that third section and those are going to be hatter beavers, um, mostly for the felt market. 96% sold 
and uh, they average $9.21. So it's not that far off from what we've been averaging for those third section beavers the past few couple of years. Um, the highlight was the first section beaver, uh, eastern beavers, which is typical of what I catch here in northern Maine and a lot of other northern states. Uh, they averaged $17.82. Only half of them sold, so buyers were fairly selective, but the the ones that were purchased were purchased at pretty good average, so that was fairly encouraging. Like I said earlier, mink, martin, otter, fisher, lynx, and bobcat didn't sell. Those will either sell private treaty or they'll hold them until the next auction when they can get uh, more buyers involved and hopefully get buyers to have the opportunity to actually see those pelts. 21% of muskrats sold for an average of $2.90. Pretty low, but I'm guessing the low end of the muskrat is what sold. A raccoon, very, again, low percentages. A raccoon, likely the high end sold. The Canadian coons averaged a little over $14. And the western heavy raccoons, some of the best of the best, averaged a little under $20. Um, red fox, pretty much unsold. Um, Coyotes, um, that's the last item we'll, we'll talk about. Western heavy coyotes pretty much didn't sell. The ones that did sell, there was a few that, that went for an average of $76. The western semi-heavy coyotes, a quarter of those sold for an average of $41. And then the eastern heavy coyotes, the report here says 100% sold with an average of $108.94. Now, that seems pretty crazy that the eastern coyotes would sell higher than the western coyotes. It almost never happens. Um, I will say I've looked at my results from the Eastern Coyotes that I sent out and I've looked at what's in the catalog, the private treaty catalog that is yet to sell and 100% of the Eastern Coyotes were not sold. And so uh, maybe there's a difference there in terminology or the way the, the reporting was done, but uh, there were a number of Eastern Coyotes, uh, Eastern Heavy Coyotes that were still in the, uh, the private treaty sale. I had a couple of lots there where my coyotes have been, have been uh, graded into and those were uh, advertised in private treaty I think for about between 45 and 55 dollars and so there's some lots that will be lower than that 108 average and then I actually had some coyotes that did not grade eastern heavy um, or western semi they were smaller lot smaller animals uh, and, and the colors were a little bit off and they were semi-heavy and I only averaged $8 a piece for, for four of those. So um, it, it wasn't as rosy maybe as the, the results would point to with an $108 average, but still it does indicate that there, there is a very strong market for, uh, for coyotes still. And uh, when the rest of those sell, the prices are going to be, be as good or a little better than they have been the, the past few auctions. So that's the fur harvester's results. And now I want to get into tonight's interview with Nancy Becker. Now, if if those of you who have watched the show, The Last Alaskans, you know Bob Hart was a really special guy. He passed away a couple years ago, um, but he, he left quite a legacy. And there's a couple of things other than Bob's uh, participation in the show, The Last Alaskans, and all the footage and, and showing you around his trap line and all, all of the... Uh, discussions that he had about living out there. Um, he also left a couple of other things. Um, he uh, recorded a what what's turned now into a DVD that Nancy and I are going to talk about, and it's four hours of interviews with Bob and uh, Nancy is on there a little bit as well. Basically, just Bob telling stories about his life out there, about different situations he's been in, the the lifestyle, trapping methods. He even trapped in Russia, believe it or not, um, and he has some footage from trapping in Russia that he shares in the DVD. Uh, it, it's just incredible. Four hours uh, of just chopped up different video interviews, and, and there's a bunch of old uh, home video footage that Bob took uh, from the trap line and old pictures. Uh, it's a really awesome piece of history, and you can pick that up. I, there, there's going to be a link here in the show notes to this episode. Um, and, and you can click on, through on the link and order that. It's $30 for that DVD, and the shipping is really cheap on it. It's, it's really reasonably priced. Um, and uh, that's, uh, if, you, if you don't want to click through the link, just do a Google search for the Alaskan Cache, C-A-C-H-E, 
H-E. And you can find that there. And then Nancy wrote a book about her and Bob's life out there trapping in Anwar in the Alaskan bush. And that is coming out soon. It's called Trapline Chatter, Life and Love with the Last Alaskan Bob Hart. And uh, you can also pre-order that book on the Alaskan Cash. So I'd strongly encourage you to get get that uh, DVD as well as the book. Uh, support them, and uh, it, it really is some some special, uh, j- just a really special experience that they share with folks like us that maybe not all of us are going to get out there on the trap line uh, in in the middle of Alaska and be able to experience that. So as trappers, it's something I know a lot of us has have dreamed of for for a long time, being able to do. And if you can't get out there, this is the next best thing. So check it out, and let's get into the interview. All right, so Nancy Becker, did you ever think that you would be on a trapping show podcast? <laughs> no, I, I didn't even know what it was until you told me what it was. <laughs> podcast didn't mean anything to me. <laughs> so uh, for folks who who don't know, um, Nancy, if you've seen the TV show The Last Alaskans, which we're a big fan of here, um, Nancy uh, was Bob Hart, the late Bob Hart's wife. And uh, spent a lot of time out in the woods uh, with Bob, experiencing that lifestyle. So um, it's great to have a chance to to sit down and chat with you. Well, this is a fun thing to do, especially during this time. So anything to have fun these days, I'm all for it. <laughs> so you are in Alaska. <laughs> yep. What brought you there? A uh, long time ago, back in '79. What brought me up? Was yeah. I always wanted to come to Alaska, so I had the opportunity. And I came up and to Southeast is where I started, which exactly is Southeast is where Bob had his entry also. I just came a couple years later. So the book starts off that way too. My, oh, I'm having a, I wrote a book. So that's, <laughs> yes. how, that's how the book starts. <laughs> so, so um, Bob wanted to trap, right? And that's what brought him to Alaska. He was from New Jersey. Yes. Um, and, and you, you were, where were you from? I was from New York originally. New York, okay, and uh, and you both met there in, in Southeast, and uh, what were you doing? You were teaching. Was that what you were doing? Well, I had just I was just freshly divorced, and I so that was an opportunity for me to get out and start a new life. And we actually met in Fort Yukon. So when I came up to Alaska in '79, Bob had already been there a few years in Southeast, and then he had moved on to go up to where we are now in the interior. Okay. And then I later came out. We actually met in Fort Yukon. And and that was when you were doing uh, some teaching work there, traveling to different villages? Yep, that's when I was doing that, and he was a trapper. And we, when we met in Fort Yukon, we actually only met very briefly, and then we didn't really get together again a year later it was. Yeah, that's funny how that works, because the guys go uh-huh. uh, go out in the woods and then don't don't come out to town for months at a time. <laughs> Right. And, you know, well, when, when you're out doing what we were doing, we don't see a lot of people and we're, I mean, I would never have the opportunity to just visit, uh, even with, you know, a neighbor when we're out on the trap line. So, you know, a year later, it was kind of fun getting up with, meeting up with him again. And then, then we decided to stay together. And so how did he convince you to go into the woods? Uh, he didn't really have to convince me. That was something I, I'm always up for his adventure. So, I mean, I knew his lifestyle. And uh, it wasn't, I mean, I was excited to go. Because that's a big sacrifice, right? Um, you had a job, you probably had some friends, and th- this was, th- you, were, you were taking a big risk? Mm, that's not how I thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, uh, when I think back, I go, I didn't think of any of jobs have never been that important to me, actually. I'm really more for, like I said, I he had a, adventure to offer me and that was more you know that was the lifestyle in alaska just getting out i was ready to go um so how did how did the first year go you guys just uh gathered a bunch of supplies and went yep it was pretty much that way and and uh you know that's how trapping is anyway you just get it all together and it's people can see it on tv or whatever but the ins and out we get together on my friends that have done this before and we just laugh at all the the details it takes and the the effort it takes to get out and the money i mean it's not it's not easy so uh i had no idea the first year i went out 
And um, I learned a lot over the years, but just flew by the seat of my pants. And especially with Bob, Bob just throws things together and just, you know, <laughs> not too much thought where I'm very detailed in thought and preparing. He was not that way. So it was very interesting getting out with him. And then plus I had my son who was uh, four years old at that time. And that was probably the most challenging part to me in the in the thought process of that of going out with a little one, not knowing where I was going. And so that first, but it was year all great. It was all well. yes. He wow. came out that yeah. So it was an adventure. And was that was Bob on the Colleen River by then? Yes, he was. Okay, because he had gone somewhere. I think he had gone up the Christian River somewhere different when he first got to Fort Yukon, and then he he. Uh, he found the the place up the Colleen after that. Yep, he uh, he was around the Fort Yukon area, and then he heard about an old trapper that had passed on, and that's where he decided to go, and that's where he has been had now since you know the next last forty years of his life. That was his home. And that was that was Ed Owens was the old timer, right? That that had been up there in the past. Yes. Did you guys ever mm-hmm. learn much about Ed? Um, we've got some research that um, we did back then and um we also have some i actually have right here sitting in my cabin here uh the old log books that ed owens had before his cabin burnt down and it's kind of fun to look at those what he purchased and how much it cost and those are like you know that's history yeah absolutely It's, it's pretty it's pretty neat yeah that's cool and, uh, and by the time that you guys were up there, that stuff was probably starting to, to break down and, and go back to the woods. Uh, the stuff at that old the, cabin the, of his? Yeah, the cabin. And the, I, I, I remember watching in the DVD that we'll talk about uh, some old footage from the Owens cabin. And all, it was almost like it, all the stuff was still there. Uh, like, like just as he had left it. And I, I imagine over time that kind of just uh, melted into the ground, rotted away and stuff. Right. And that's, that's exactly why I have that log book because it was, uh, it's some of it stuck together and everything is starting to rot. So we actually took, you're not supposed to take things. We took that to save it because when we would go down every year, we'd go down to the cabin to Ed's place. Uh, and just, it was just an adventure to go down and see, you know, what had gotten in there the last year? We'd we'd borrow some magazines. It was old magazines, but we didn't really, you know. That was it's like a historical trip going down there and seeing and pretending. You know what was it like back then? As people would even do. I even go back to our cabin now and go, oh man, I remember this, remember that, because that's now history. You know, absolutely. But Ed, yeah. but Ed's place was uh, just a place. Lower and upper cabin were both his, and um, we actually stayed in the upper one and expanded on that one but yeah there's old there's even an, i remember an old can of spinach still there <laughs> you know i mean really old things you'd find old boots or you know it just takes you back in time to to think about how they were and when we read about what he how he used to get up there and it's pretty it, it well that's kind of stuff i like to read about adventure and and survival and all that so before airplanes before yeah. airplanes before yeah and we didn't even have I keep thinking back. We didn't even have headlamps back then. Oh. And then how on earth did we live like that? I don't know how I'd survive without a headlamp. <laughs> Me too, today, anyway. Oh, I, still, I, have, I have four of them in my cabin now. By the yeah. way, I'm in a cabin right now that Bob built back in the 80s. Is it, That's the it, cabin where all the interviews uh, were done? Nope, it's in the same It's in the same area, though. It's, it's, I live in a village that is um, a place where the riverboat discovery lands every year but for the winter i'm here the caretaker and i'm the only one here but it still is nice that i'm in this cabin that bob built and you know back when we were together way back in the 80s yeah so how many years did you guys uh, you you stayed out there uh through the winter and and trapped with bob that uh for a period of time yeah about 10 years i think yeah um and you had a child together yes we had talisha and you had, uh, uh, f- I think you had a foster, I remember you had a, there was a, qu- there were four or five of you anyway, out there at times. Well, there was, uh, we had a foster son for a while named Steve. He was a, a Eskimo and he, we had him with us and he just, he did not like the woods. It's kind of interesting. I thought he was going to love it. 
of everybody. He yeah. did not like it because he had already gotten used to, um, you know, living in the city and stuff. So he was only with us for a little over a year, um, but he ended up um, doing pretty good for himself in other uh, homes. And he did he did pass away a few years ago. I think it was actually in quite a few years ago. He, he ended up being a, a chef at a little place. And I like to think that Bob was the one that got him going on that because he loved to cook moose meat because mm-hmm. he we'd sit down and he could cook the moose meat and then when we were all done he could eat as much as he wanted so <laughs> he got his start cooking he loved to do that <laughs> so huh. good memories i could go on and on you know you better cut me off <laughs> oh that's fine we've got time um the beauty of this show is i can it, it can be as long as i want it to be it's my my deal and and uh it can be edited unedited whatever we want to do so uh, oh super good okay that's good yeah um and so, so that's the background when you started out, met Bob, you guys were out there trapping in the woods and then all of a sudden we kind of flash forward, uh, maybe 30 years and we get the show and the last Alaskans, uh, I think it, it was uh, four seasons and it was a, a very, very popular show. I, th- I thought it was awesome because it was one of the first shows that kind of showed the, you know, the rest of the country, how a small portion of us still live. Um, uh-huh. And, and uh, it, I, I thought it, I thought it was really positive for trappers and people out in the woods. Uh, what, what was your impression of the show overall? I thought it was very good. Also, I, I now I don't watch any of those other shows. They talk about, they call them reality shows. And I know there's a lot of Alaskan reality shows out there. And, I never saw one except when I was at the doctor's office one time and I said, and I was looking up waiting and I said, and they mentioned the name. I said, is that what they're talking about? I went, Oh my gosh. It was so, it not, was not much very reality, strange. Huh? <laughs> no. And I, and the last Alaskans is they're all my friends and they're all, all those people out there. It's, and I love watching it because see, you don't get to go out there with them. And I've never seen Haimo and Edna's place, but I know Haimo and Edna. I see them every summer, you know, yeah. we're friends and, and all, all those people out there, but I've, it was so neat for me to actually see their cabin, right. you know, yeah. that, that was pretty neat for me. And, uh, it was all about, um, uh, our life, our lives out there. And, um, it wasn't anything, you know, when I was actually on there with Talisha, we went out there and it was fun and they were very respectful and they didn't tell you what to say. They didn't do, they didn't. It was just about watching what we did. And, of course, I, you know, they said, well, what would you do back then? Because I hadn't been out there for a while. And I said, well, I would go fishing or I would blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they, they, they took it from rea- what we did, and they didn't make it up. Yeah, you could tell so, it wasn't scripted just, just watching the show. It, was, it, it, it wasn't a bunch of drama added in. It was just you don't need the drama. You know, it was enjoyable no. enough just to watch what, what, was, uh, what real life was like. Right, and it is, I mean, it's actually more, uh, it's more, I don't know, I wouldn't call it drama, but a lot more adventure and a lot more when you're actually in the in the real thing instead of made up. I mean, it is, it's intense, and it's, you have to think differently. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad for people to have, uh, be able to view that, and I was really glad that Bob got to do his stories like he wanted to share his stories because they're, they're great. I mean, so it, it, it's a great lifestyle. Yeah. And, and so we flash forward to, uh, must've been like 2014 or 15, somewhere, somewhere around there when the show came on and we see mm-hmm. Bob, uh, in his sixties and he's alone at the cabin. So, right. um, I got to ask like, in between that time, you know, Bob was talked a lot about the memories and, and you guys being out there, but, but toward the end, you weren't out there anymore. No, I wasn't out there. We were, we were separated for quite, uh, for quite a while, but we always remained in each other's lives. I mean, I lived on the same property with him in the, in the same, uh, uh, he was building and I lived on the top part of that building while he was building this home. Yeah. And, uh, I lived in, Various places we shared a garden. We were always together because we had Talisha and Trevor was always around. We we were a family, but we weren't we weren't married anymore. We just did it differently. And so you you just at some point you did you decide that you you didn't want to be out there anymore, or or you had other things that you wanted to do? 
Well, you know, I'm not going to tell you everything. I'm gonna, <laughs> you, because, because I wrote a book about that, and writing that book was very difficult because it brought back a lot of, of our parting ways, which to this day is hard for me to still talk about. Um, and, and he's still, much, still very much part of my life in, in a spiritual way. So uh, our departure, my departure from being in the wood was pretty final at some point because there was other things compiling in my life that were happening and it was just too much. And our lifestyles and the way we thought about things were changing quickly. And not that I didn't want to be in the woods still, but I just couldn't, we couldn't work it out together. It's yeah. hard for me to explain it. So I, and I worked really hard trying to explain it in the book. But even though we parted ways for a while, I left and I left the state for a while. Okay. I needed a break from everything. And so when I came back, we picked up in a certain way. We never did remarry, even though we discussed it several times. Um, we remained family with, doing things together and that's how it was but I didn't return to going out into the woods even though we had kept planning on it and then something happened to Felicia her wreck that happened and I assume and that really that in the book as well right and that yeah. put up well uh, by the in the book the book ends when Bob and I depart that's, okay the book was became was getting so long I had to cut it so I bought four new book new notebooks to start the new book, and that explains, you know, more of it, but I haven't even started that yet, except to get the books, <laughs> because it took three years, almost three years now, yeah. to get this one out. That's amazing. And so, so a, a few things happened. So the show had uh, several different characters. We've got Haimo and Edna, Tyler and Ashley Selden, uh, Charlie Jagow, um, and Bob, Bob was a big uh, character in the book, and people really gravitated to him it seemed like uh, a lot of people he was he was pretty emotional he was very um, he just loved it out there so much and he expressed that he did I think, in a good way he did um, yes and people felt that you know I felt that watching the show yeah. and and I mean I'm assuming that's the way he always was um, that's how that was a part of him yeah and when I wrote the book uh, and even when I see people every day coming down to this village and jumping off that boat and asking me, you know, they would ask me how Bob's doing before he died and then, so sorry, afterwards. But I, would, I started asking people, so what is it that drew you to Bob so much? And I truly believe it's something that is, whatever was in Bob is in you also. Whoever was attracted, it's that... Bob was very authentic in what he did. He was true to himself. Yeah. And I don't think there's a lot of people out there that know how to do that, be true to themselves. And I am happy to have known Bob for that reason. He was difficult for me, but he was true to himself and he was authentic. And I really respected that. You, you always knew, knew where he stood on things, I would imagine. Yep, he did. So, and it wasn't always what I liked or what I agreed with, but... Um, he was true to himself, and he lived life. That man lived life. Even when he was dying the last five years of his life, I'd say, he didn't even share that with anybody till the very end when you could see it. But he was, he was on his way, you know, for about, I'd say, seven years even. Uh, so, certain so, things happening with him. So when the, show, when the show started, Bob had already knew he had cancer at the time? Oh, yeah, he was, yeah, he was, uh, he had other things going on, too, that, that people don't even know about but he like I said he wanted to live his last days out there he wanted to keep going he wanted to get out there so bad when he ended up living at Talisha's for a while um, we were taking care of him he his his final three wishes you know he wanted a do another dog he wanted to get out in the woods and I forget the other one <laughs> those were the important ones I, I wrote them all down and I I know that I was really sad for him too that he didn't really get to go out one more time but the last time that they filmed the last Alaskans I was out there when we were um, taking him you know and he was yeah. it was it was extremely difficult to be there knowing that he might not be going back and to watch that and they were filming him too and that made it hard too and he had to just stop at times because he was just he I think he knew he was saying goodbye but 
he didn't want to and he didn't want it to be that way. And then there's all these people around him too, which made it a little bit more difficult, but they were very respectful, like I said, and yeah. he, he loved, that was the love of his life. I said in my book, that was the love of his life, not me. That <laughs> lifestyle was the love of his life. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and, um, so he, so he would, he spent a lot of time toward the end on the show, you know, talking about, about what it was like out there and huge, huge fan club, you know, a bunch of people, Facebook page yeah. and everything. I mean, people really connected with that. Um, but, but you were saying earlier there, there were stories there that Bob wanted to, to have told, um, that, that just didn't get told in the show or couldn't get told in the show. Right. Right. He, uh, uh, let's see. He, he liked the show. He thought it was good because it was getting people to, to see the lifestyle out there that was he loved so much. But he, he, he said, he kept saying, but they don't really, you don't have time, and they, that's not their purpose. They don't have time to get everybody's story. So yeah. on the summer, of, the summer before he died, 2016, he really had this idea about, and even before that, because I have notes, I'm going through all my notes about, he wrote to Traver, our, uh, my son, Traver, get these stories down, and Traver was going to record them. That's, mm-hmm. That was our way of, you know, we didn't have internet or anything, so we record them on a tape recorder. Uh, these stories are going to be good. They, they need to be saved. I have all those notes about when you wrote those notes, and Traver, we were collecting his stories, and I still have some that Bob wrote by hand, and we got typed out and stuff, and he was going to tell all these stories. Well, that, um, Traver got busy, and Bob got frustrated, and so Bob decided to hire um, some friends of friends had had relatives in Valdez that that um, could tape him, could video him, and and produce like a DVD. That's what he wanted, to produce a DVD. That's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. So in the summer of 2016, these guys came up to here, right where I am in the village, and where you see that DVD filmed is right, you know, like a two-minute walk from where I am, the, okay. a cabin, another cabin in the village. And they and he hired them, and they were there three or four days, and did all these stories, and um, and Bob ran out of money, and so he didn't he couldn't do it anymore, and he was getting so ill. That was the year before he died. So his that was the other that was the third thing he wanted to get that DVD out the story. <laughs> thing. I don't know. That was it. And so when uh, Talisha and I went out to do Bob's ashes, they we filled out his, we completed his contract with the last Alaskans and we got some money. We took that money to go and I called the guys doing the DVDs. I said, let's do this DVD because Bob wanted it done and you've already got the filmage. Here's some money. Let's go ahead and put it together. So we did that. We went deep in the hole because uh, those guys thought it would be a good idea to do online, which, you know, I don't know. Okay. I said, let's do it online. They thought it would sell and it didn't sell really well online. And they said, well, let's do the DVD because people want the DVD. So as soon as the DVD came out, it started selling, and people loved it. And it is still selling really well. Yep, I just bought one, Christmas, I just bought one uh, last week. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's another one. Good. And it it's exciting up. for it was us a, now. <laughs> it was amazing. They, uh, the day that I bought, like an hour after I bought it, I got an email that it was shipped. And uh, it showed oh. up just a couple days later. So if people go to... Uh, if you just do a Google search for the Alaskan Cache, C-A-C-H-E, um, the Alaskan Cache, you will find this. It's called Last Alaskan Bob DVD series, and uh, th- this DVD is it's like it's about four hours long. Yes, it is. Yeah, and uh, it's all it's all Bob's stories. It's pretty amazing. Um, all the stuff that's on there. So uh, for folks, and I'm gonna. Uh, when, when this publishes, I'm going to provide a link to that so people can just click through and and uh, get that. And it's uh, thirty dollars for the DVD. Um, well, well worth it for anybody who's interested in in Bob's stories for sure. Yeah, that's what we've been hearing. And and even though it's one CD, people are going, "What? Thirty dollars? It is four hours long." That's <laughs> that's what I hear. I don't I don't know anything about that either. But um, my friend um, Sandy and Joe Maddie, who who have Alaska Raw Fur Company store here at Fairbanks. Yep. Sandy's been selling them too, and it's and it's interesting. She'll play that DVD, and people can hear that voice. They know that voice. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that's what. And all the fans wrote to me. I mean, we we got quote probably oh we got I don't know how many over 
Well, we answered over two, Teresa and I, over 200 fan letters just thanking people. Um, when the, when Bob passed away, we felt we needed to do that. I can't keep up with that anymore for anyone yeah. that's listening that has written. I just, <laughs> and in fact, going through all those letters now and going, how can I get rid of these? But I have to, they're taking up, I don't have any room in this cabin. So, <laughs> but anyway, the DVD is, but has been selling really happy that it's in that store and it'll go on sale with, uh, at the riverboat if we ever get out of this virus, which we will. Yeah. And um, we're gonna and uh, and the guys at, at the Lasting Cash, you know, the guys that put that together that are selling that DVD want the book that I just finished or that's going to be finished this week to the printer, and but do it as a pack together. It'll be on sale at the same place on that uh, what do you call it, the Alaskan Cash. Yep. Alaskan Cash, the same place. So yep. the thing is, we got in the hole so deep. Getting back to that. We're just now getting out of the hole because we put so much. We, you know, I flew those guys out there. That's expensive. Oh boy, to do that's filming. Be, yeah. Oh, you know that now. You've been yeah. out there, right? I mean, it's uh, it's yeah. it's expensive. Yeah. So we got out there though, and I was glad we did because they. I couldn't have gotten up to the throne, which is Bob's. You know, we would hike up there as a family, and it was Bob's lookout place. Couldn't have done that with that with a little baby and and Felicia being disabled. But taking the film guys out there, they packed. We pushed Felicia up that mountain, and, and they packed Carmela up, and we got to film throwing the ashes. I was really, I was glad to spend that money to get out there and do it. I was so happy that we got to do that for Bob, you know? Yeah. His ashes got to be out there, and they're part of the vegetation now, and they're, I mean, I love that thought. I'm so happy we did that. So we're, we're excited about that, and then hopefully the book will add to that, and and I just like that people are enjoying the stories and they can connect to it because it's part of who they are if they're connecting so deeply so deeply to that. That's part of their personality or, or what's ever in their heart that they can feel connected to. And I really like that part of it when I talk to people, how yeah. connected they get to it. Uh, the title of the book is uh, Trapline Chatter, Life and Love with Last Alaskan Bob Hart. And yes. uh, people can pre-order that. Uh, at the Alaskan Cash uh, store, and uh, are there other places that you're, that's going to be for sale? Well, right now uh, it's going to be on the Riverboat, of course, and it's going to be at um, some stores in town. But I think the the printer's going to put it out on different places too. Um, but I I don't know, you know, probably Barnes and Noble and all those places they put them in. But I'm not sure about that. I, I have to talk to him, and once I get this sent to him the last time. And so this this book is it's the early years and it's a lot of it comes from a lot of your uh, letters that you've you wrote while you're out there, right? It, it's uh and it actually starts with a little history of Bob, little history of me, and how you know we were brought up just a little bit, and how we got to Alaska, he got to Alaska, I got to Alaska, how we met, and then the main part of the book, the the central part is our life in. Anmar Arctic National Wildlife Refuge on the trap line. That's the main. Okay. And then that third part is us fading out. So, but it's a lot of the letters I wrote home to my parents and my sisters, and they're pretty. You know, it talks about from my perspective what I'm doing, what Bob's out doing. But I, it's not a lot about the hunting that Bob does, or you know. But I, I'm I'm saying what Bob is doing, but me as a mom and a a wife of a trapper, what goes on in my head and what you know, my communication is with my loved ones. And it, uh, it'll it give you a good idea of what our life was like out there. There were probably things that you forgot about and you look back and you're like, oh, because when you write stuff like that, you know, you, you over time you tend to forget things and then you read that, you're like, oh, uh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> you are absolutely right. I found actually that when I shot that moose, I never, I don't even remember writing about it. I found the story that I wrote. I went, oh. Oh, this is great. And a story I wrote about living in tent camp. I went, oh, this is great. And when I first had a kill a martin, oh, my goodness. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that I had forgotten about. And some of my feelings was the, some of the feelings that I wrote, I said, hmm, I don't remember that. Yeah. Huh. So, it, like I said, that was, that was a, actually a fun book, but it was actually very uh, difficult in a lot of ways, too. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you uh, you put it together. I know that's a lot of work, um, and but it's it's just great because so many people have have stories like that, and they they just never get told because of all of the work involved in p actually putting it together into a book. 
Yeah, well, uh, that's what they said. I, if I'd have known all I know now, I really honestly don't know who started it. But <laughs> once I got started, I said, I want this to be fun. And I got an editor that made it a lot of fun. And uh, it was hard work. It was probably just the emotional stuff I had to go through doing it was very difficult. And and uh, it, it, it was. It was a, a lot of work. I was surprised, but I learned tons writing that book. And it was it was fun. So I'm glad that my grandkids will get to read it someday and and know about, like you said, you know, that stuff gets lost. So yeah. this won't get lost, and, I'm, and I know that Bob would be happy to, because we had always planned to write a book together, always. Did you really? That's why we gave letters. Yeah, it was, it's, and it says that in the book. He had said, and we even thought about what kind of book should it be, and Bob said, well, I can give you stories, but I'm not a writer. And there's all kinds of stuff like that, conversations of ours, and um, his handwriting in there, things that he wrote, and I mean, it's. I think people will enjoy the book too. I, I, I think so. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know. So, so did you re-publish uh, like some of the original letters, or did you kind of rewrite them and compile them? Uh, part parts of letters, so the so that like Bob's handwriting is there of the stories he wrote, like his first year. Um, his first winter in Alaska up in the interior, you get to see Bob's writing it out, which I, I love. I love that. And I, to this day, I love looking at things that Bob wrote and, and I, I know I'm getting off, but I also, I have to tell you, I go over to the, there's, there's an old storage place here. I have a lot of Bob's stuff. I go in there every now and then. I'm surprised I'm telling you this, but I pull out one of his shirts and I just smell it. Just, yep. you know what? I just, just things like that. It brings yeah, bring back everything. memories for sure. It does, and it's just it's just still a connection. So uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that's uh, I think in there that's personal, and and there's a lot of Bob's stories that he wrote. So and and ones that I wrote too. So I don't know. It's 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 a it's a and there's a lot of pictures too. So yeah, that's what I wanted of, to be. I, there's a lot of pictures. That was the cool thing about the DVD is there's a lot of uh, pictures and footage that yeah, that you never saw from the, the show. Yeah. Yeah, there was pictures in there on those DVDs that my sister went on a trip with my dad in 1989 with Bob on this 1,000-mile trip up. <laughs> Something I didn't want to do because I did that trip enough, um, you know, to the trap line. Yeah. And, it, you know, I mean... To me, I said, I, that's going to be a tough trip just because it's, it's well, whatever. And, and they took footage. My sisters had this old camera, you know, the kind you put on your shoulder and everything, yeah. you know, that yeah. weighed, and you put it, packed it around in a case. And some of that footage that she got is in there. And I love seeing it because I actually never saw that before. And I went, really? where's that's... this from? I said, oh, my gosh, that's from my sister's video, which I never even saw because she took it, and then she took it home with her, and I never saw it. But she's kept it all these years shipped it up here with a lot of a lot of that stuff is you know in that book from uh, a video camera that bob had that i never saw pictures of, of uh, when Tra traver got his first caribou i never saw those pictures until these dvds came out i said where'd that come from <laughs> and it was all the dvds that i had collected from bob's uh trailer when he died and the guys that were filming him said just give me anything you find and of course they had the equipment to go through and clip and cut yeah. and record and it was great to see all that stuff ed's old cabin my dad is in there chopping wood they labeled it wrong as someone else they said of someone else but it was my dad was and my dad? sister I said, okay. oh my gosh look at that <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun and the, and you know you could see some of the not up close and stuff but the bears that were there and you know the links and yeah you know i see i'm telling you got to cut me off because i i don't normally get to talk like this because there's you know i'm in town now and there's still excitement when the, when all my trapping buddies come in and we get to talk and, yeah there know, must be trapper, there must but... be quite a group of you guys uh, that used to live out there that that get together and talk we do we get together in fact every may in fact i'm making the phone calls now and saying you guys we should still plan it even if it gets pushed back every may we get together we started this back in the 80s we'd get together at a park because no one would see each other all winter long because we're out on the trap line. Like I said, you never see anybody's place. You wouldn't yeah. ever, you wouldn't ever do that. But in the summer, we'd get together and have a big picnic and we'd play softball. And uh, I've, I've got old pictures of that. And so we, we quit doing that for a while. And then we just, uh, I'd say the last 10 years, we picked up again and we'd come here to the village and have a picnic or we've been going out and down Goldstream, which is close to where Ashley and Tyler live. 
and we have a, just a big picnic, and now it's all our kids and grandkids. So yeah. it's just kind of fun that we still do get together, and, and I love, everyone loves listening to the stories and stuff because it's... Well, you had so much in uh, common, right? I mean, we did, and there's not too many people to share that with anymore. Yeah. So, you know, Charlie, Charlie Jago, who's out, you know, and I'm so happy, and Bob was so happy they got Charlie to use his trap line, and he stops at the cabin and stuff, and Charlie's mom is actually one of my good friends, and so we got stories from way back, you know, even though <laughs> we, we never saw each other on the trap line or anything, we, we get to, you know, when we talk, it's different. When the Lewis girls are in town, yeah. you know, do they still, just, do they still go out in the woods? Yep, they're still they're still um, on their own in some way, and then with their parents some way in and out. Yeah. Um, so, it's uh, if you get up here again, Jeremiah, we can uh, you know. Yeah, maybe a trip in May would be a good idea. In May. Didn't isn't that when you said you you guys got together? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you should keep in touch with me. In fact, I just talked to uh, a guy that helped me with book, and I said we set the date for May twenty fourth. It's usually the Memorial Day Sunday is when we do it, and that's the 24th. So that that's the day if you're up here. And if yeah, it won't, change, it won't it, we'll be this year, it. but it might be a future year. <laughs> yeah, okay, future year because that's we're just going to keep doing it because now it's fun to see all the kids and everything. So yeah, yeah, keep that under your hat. So so Charlie is is trapping the old trap line. Yeah, I mean he's got his own stuff, but he he Bob's he said Bob's line is good. I mean it's it, Bob Bob was an excellent trapper, and he was. He was an excellent woodsman. Uh, he he knew his stuff, and he was very uh, confident with it. And he he I well, like I said, he loved it, and he loved that Charlie was very much. He said he's Charlie's like me. This guy, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's how are, are I would they? state it, you know. <laughs> and he said Charlie loves this lifestyle, and he said he's going to be the best trapper around. And he just has so many good things to say about Charlie. He was so happy that Charlie would you know, want to be on his trap line. That's what he wanted, someone to take take it over there. Uh, yeah, because it, like so many so many uh, people uh, pass away, and then that just kind of grows in, and, and uh, there's a few traps hanging in trees in the middle of the woods, and there's nothing there. Right. And, 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 uh, right. I, I saw that, when, you know, when I, when I went up this winter, it was incredible how many places, you know, Jim would tell me, well, so-and-so used to trap here, and that person used to trap there, and, and they're all gone. Right, and what's left, like you said, a few traps, and, you know, not much else. And it happens, you know what, Jeremiah, it happens fast, because we were up there, uh, Talisha and I went out this last fall, just because I wanted to get a few of Bob's things, you know, because that might be the last chance I get. I said, I'm going to go out one more time. And I grabbed a few things and some of his traps and stuff, and I just looked at it like, I didn't even sleep in the cabin this time because there was some mold starting, and I don't know how the... The wet got, it was almost like someone went in and dumped water because... Yeah, because that's a high in, cabin. That shouldn't get... Uh, it is. Yeah, it shouldn't have gotten, but there was wet there. And so I, I, I'm i real sensitive to that stuff. So I found an old tent in the cache, and I slept out in the tent. But it was just sad to see that it how fast, knowing in it, it's going to go fast. You know, it's going to dilapidate pretty and quickly. Being being in Anwar, that was a, a limited a permit that Bob had because he was grandfathered in. So, uh, so what's the future for that? That that's probably just going to go away. Yeah, there's no future for that. Uh, everyone that's in Anwar, when our kids, when our kids pass on, that's it. They can't pass it down to our, like our grandkids. Yeah, my grandkids can't. Talisha is last. Talisha has the permit for our cabin right now, yeah. for Bob's cabin, and when she goes, she can't pass it on to her kids. That's okay. It. So yeah, yeah that's uh, it. Was a special time in history for sure. It's a good thing that you yes. guys documented it. Uh, yes, it was special. I'm really, really happy I got to be a part of that when I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad there are people like you that are still interested in it. It's just, it's a very unique lifestyle that people will not get to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, people apparently enjoyed it because that show was popular. I, I'm kind of surprised it didn't get renewed. Um, yeah, a lot of people were, and I'm I'm not sure why. Uh, there was talk, but I don't know people. Things just move on. I don't really know why. Yeah, and TV is getting harder to do with all all the new stuff that's out there, and uh, it's expensive to go out there and film. I'm sure. So. Oh yeah, that's for sure. That is that is a way big expense. Yep, you know that. I mean, I don't know how you guys got out there, and you probably 
Oh, no, he didn't vote out. <laughs> no, we, we rode uh, Snow Machine out from Fort Yukon. But just oh, getting to Fort okay. Yukon was a, a task, you know, from Maine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> what part of Maine are you in? Uh, all the way up north, near the Canadian border. Oh, nice. Yep. Okay. So I've only it, been to Maine. I've been to Maine a couple times, I guess. Yep, I'm up in Aroostook County. Wow. Well, it's a lot like here in it's a lot of ways, isn't it? It's kind of a mini version. It just gives us a little bit of a taste of what Alaska's like. Um, yeah. But, but going out there, there is no comparison in terms of how, how remote you can actually get out there. Right. It, yeah. It, that's. I remember when I first did that, too. In fact, when I got my job in uh, Stevens Village on the Yukon, after leaving southeast, and then we flew, we kept flying and going, whoa, there's like nothing down there. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot down there, but... Oh my goodness! It's not like looking like at cropland where there's squares of this and squares of that, and uh-huh. you know, towns every now and then. It's not. It's it's amazing, isn't it, to look at all oh, that? Yeah. Oh yeah. And you're going oh. pretty fast in the plains. You're yeah. covering a lot of ground, but it's just like <laughs> yeah. it goes on and on. I mean, we must have been an hour from just from Fairbanks to Fort Yukon on, uh, in the air. We must have been an hour close to it. Yes. I mean, it, yes. And there was nothing. There was, <laughs> there was yes. nothing there. <laughs> We call it nothing. I mean, I even say it's nothing, but I don't mean nothing because there's exactly, a lot yeah. of stuff down there. There's a lot, yeah. yeah. I'm even surprised how few moose you see in that. As, for as long as you fly, you don't really, I mean, they're there someplace, you know, but you don't see a lot of them moving around. They're not like, yeah. you know, when they talk about getting moot, meat, moot, moose meat or any kind of meat in the fall time, that's a priority. Yeah, Absolutely. And you, so, you got I mean, one right from the cabin, didn't you, one time? It was right out, yeah. I didn't have to go too far. It was across <laughs> the creek from the cabin, but, uh, yeah, and I did not want to do that. But <laughs> I, I I had to, and I'm very, very glad that I did that and had that experience. And I would do it again if I needed to. Yeah. But, yeah. It really it, teaches, it was, you kind of teach yourself how to how to handle everything. When you're kind of forced into it, right? You, you right, you're forced into it. And I had watched Bob enough, so I knew how to do it. I just, you know, most I ever did was carry things or, you know, not much else. And so when I did it, it was all new stuff. But, And it took me all day. Um, but it was a very a skill that I have now. I can do it, you know. This is like anything you learn out there. I learned so much out there that in times like these, like today, yep. I mean, I'm not scared about if I if I had to live here by myself. That that's, I mean, I don't want to because of my kids and stuff, but. Survival is not that scary a thing. It's it's other things, you know, like my, seeing my kids or something. Yeah. yeah. The other the other thing that was going on, you know, when the virus came out and and uh, people, I heard people were in the stores getting just buying the toilet paper out. I started, <laughs> yeah. I started laughing. I said, "Oh my gosh!" Because if you run out of toilet, we ran out of toilet paper a lot in the woods, you know. I said, "I could tell you many many things to use other than toilet paper." <laughs> Yeah, it was like that was the biggest crisis people were worried about is running out of toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) And little did I know, I mentioned, I kind of mentioned that in my book about toilet the toilet paper thing, you know. (laughs) So it's it's something to look for in the book too about what I said about toilet paper because to this day, I mean, I'm I'm uh, counting the squares right now, but uh, you know, just because I you know that you could survive if you ran out. Oh yeah, Yeah. oh yeah, and other and other things, but but it's skills that I'm that I learned in the woods and w- and a way of thinking that I learned in the woods too, that, uh, someday might be necessary, you know? Yep. More and more these days, I think people maybe may start realizing that, that how important it is to have those, those skills. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and you learn them quick when you're out there, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So when, yeah. when does the book come out? Well, that's, uh, I can't tell you that for sure because I, like I said, I you have to finish still read that. Yeah. Oh, it's done, but it's sitting there because I can't t- get to a computer. So I have to figure out how I can read it without getting to a computer. And, and I'll have that figured out this week, and then it goes right to the printer. And I think he said it'd be it'd take a month or so. Uh, he was talking May, but it m- might be end of May now. I'm not. I'm not yeah. sure actually. But yeah, it'll be before. Yeah, and either summer. way, I know you can you can order it right now. You can pre-order it on this Alaskan Cash website. So. Yeah, that's what the guys with the cash said. Yeah, because it's going to them as soon as, um, in fact, I, I'm giving the guys uh, their address to ship the books to them because I don't ship them out. They're going to ship them out yep. along at the, from that cash, yeah. Perfect. So, 
Cool. Well, I'm excited you got to at least see Alaska. I tell everybody it's a different state, and I've been to all the states now, but Alaska's different. It's, it is. Yeah, it's a special place. Isn't it? Yeah. Yep, it really is, and I love sharing it with people. I'm just, I'm very happy that I got to do what I did in my lifetime, and I'm glad that you got to experience it a little bit too. Yeah, and and thanks so much for for sitting down to chat with us uh, uh, about your experiences, and and uh, look forward to to reading more from the book. Super duper. Well, I I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and you know anybody else can. Well, I was gonna say. Send me your questions by email, but forget that. I can't get on email. <laughs> well, they can email me, and maybe I can pass them along to you when you get back on online when this coronavirus right. well, thing gets settled down. Yeah, and it will settle down, and we'll all be out there. And, and this will encourage people to live live your life, you know. And I just think it's going to be um, just like Bob lived his life. He was authentic. He loved life. He was He was out there even to the end. You know, life is good, and it's going to get back to being good. And what's important in your life, you know? So I'm encouraged, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you as well. And maybe I'll get to meet you someday. That would sound, that would be great. Yeah. And take care of yourself and your family and those around you, and happy trails.